Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, our friends out there in Blog Talk Radio land. Those of you who tuned in to, uh, off the shelf, we're so happy that you joined us. I'm waiting for our guest, Kim, to sign in so we can uh, start the day show with Kim. She is a, uh, I'll introduce her later. But she has got a lot of things going that you all uh, can listen to and learn a lot from. One thing, I would listen to a, another blog talk radio show last week, and I learned from all of these shows, whether the, I'm doing the interview and I learn from the guest or I'm listening to another show. It doesn't have to be blog talk radio, any show. I also love PBS, and I've just learned things from it that I don't think the people who put the show together – had intended to teach. It was just something that came across while they were having a conversation with somebody or interviewing someone, asking them questions, and something came out that related to what was going on in my life at the time, and I was able to get a gold nugget or a key that I could use to help me move forward. That's one thing I absolutely love uh, about radio, any type of format where the objective is to provide valuable information, you can glean more out of it than even the person who put the show together had intended to share. So I hope that uh, uh, that happens again today. That's happened during all of the -the off-the-shelf interviews. Still waiting for Kim to join us, but I, in, the, in the meantime, while I wait for her uh, to sign in, wanted to let you guys know I thank you again for your support, and I, I really encourage you to tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues to tune in to Off the Shelf. If you get something out of the show, imagine what they would get out of the show. So you'd be sharing good information with them, and you might be sharing something that one of the guests comes up that we don't. I don't even know about yet because I don't know. We've been on the air now almost 11 years and 11 years ago, I didn't know all the guests that we've had on would be on. So there could be somebody coming on in the future that somebody you share and tell about off the shelf. It could really benefit and bless them that you don't know that now. So I encourage you to share uh, off the shelf. We come on every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or I tell people New York City time if they're dialing in from outside of the United States. So I really thank you for your support, and I, and I thank those of you who do share off the shelf. You can come in through the chat room. You can click on a link and listen to it, whether it's on your mobile phone or or you, on, on your laptop or your desktop, however you tune in, or you can dial into the show and, and listen to the show and enjoy uh, the show. The dial-in for guests is 347-994-3490. And again, that's and this is standard. Every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City time, the dial-in is 347-994-3490. So you tune in again, 347-994-3490. Or you can just go to Blog Talk Radio off the shelf hosted by Denise Turney and click on a link. And then I also open a chat room on Saturday morning so you can get there that way. So I thank you, thank you for that, and I thank you for being here with us this Saturday morning. And I also thank you for those who have gotten a copy of Love Pour Over Me. Those who haven't, I hope that you will go out and get a copy. If you if you don't see it on the store shelves, as I always say, and this, this applies to any book that you're looking for, by the way. If you don't see the book on the store shelves, all you have to do, if it, it depends on the distributors who carry the book, but all you have to do is ask the store clerk uh, to get you a copy of the book. Generally, if you, you know the author's name and the title of the book, that should be enough uh, to get you um, so they can special order a copy of the book for you. And then you can enjoy it. You can and. and, and Love for Over Me is available in ebook format at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, ebook it, iTunes. It's it's you can get it in print, Walmart, the same other vendors I just told you about, Amazon, ebook it, uh, Barnes and Noble. You can get it in print 
or you can get it in ebook format love for over me by denise turney and the book itself is it's a little over 300 pages and it's a story it's one of my favorites because it's a story a complicated relationship between a father and a son and then also um you'll see friendships between five guys who go to college together uh it's just a it, the relationships particularly the father and son relationship most people who start out reading love for over me they they have such strong emotions for the father against against the father i should say which i think is good because you want to create as we discussed with our guest um who came on last week you want to create emotion uh, for readers, and if readers don't feel emotion when they read your your books, then it's a good chance you won't you won't be able to keep those readers because readers like to feel emotion. Think about when you go to see a movie and you want to feel either characters that you really don't like. Some some movies you might feel a lot of fear. Some people like that's why they like horror movies, which is not my thing. But you feel a lot of emotion. And that's what keeps you wondering, sitting there to care about the characters and wonder what's going to happen next because they're able to pull up emotion in you. So that's that's a um, you will feel a lot of emotion right away when you read Love for Over Me, particularly for the father again. So many people <laughs> don't like him, and but after, after, as you continue to read uh, Love for Over Me. I'd be surprised if you don't come to where you start to really have an appreciation, a strong appreciation for the Father. I'm getting ready to reach out to Kim uh, and remind her again. I just heard from her on Friday that she was, um, and most of our guests, they asked to be on the show. Um, But one thing I've learned from 11 years, anybody working with people, for the long term, has got to know this. Um, you have to be very patient and flexible because things come up, number one, and sometimes uh, people forget things. But um, I'm waiting on her to dial in. Just send her another reminder. Again, I always follow up and make sure what our guests, uh, that they're going to be on. But it's been almost eight minutes now. If you ever do radio out there <laughs> off the show, man, uh, I can read. I'm going to read an excerpt from "Love Pour Over Me" next, and till Kim comes on. If you ever do radio, be prepared. I mean, be prepared on television, any form of media. You have to have backups. I know on some television shows, and these are major television shows with major artists and guests who come on from different arenas, whether it's politics, education, science, or the arts, they'll have one or two backup guests that are sitting in the wings in case the original guest, something comes up or they just cross their wires and their schedule and they don't make it so the show can continue to go on. If you ever do anything in the media, I really, really would encourage you to have a backup because um, these types of things happen. Since I've been doing it off the shelf maybe a dozen times, and one guest had a flat tire on the road, and she did eventually dial in. But things come up, and you can't always foresee what's going to happen, so you got to have a backup plan. I want to give you guys a treat until Kim uh, joins today's show. Uh, read a little bit from Love Pour Over Me, and again, you can get it at Amazon iTunes, Barnes & Noble. You can read excerpts also on my website at chistel.com, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. So you can get a feel for the story and then me reading the ec- some excerpts for you. So it's, it's almost like test driving a car before you buy it. Even though you can get love for over me for about almost exactly $3. I think the lowest I've seen was like $3.03. That's not a lot of money. But you can 
test drive the book by reading the excerpts. You go to Amazon, you can read the excerpts there. You can listen to the excerpts today. Do you like the style that the book's written to? Do you feel connected with the characters? This is a story where you're going to see people evolve, and I mean really evolve, from the start to the finish, the same way you think about your own life and people in your life, other people in your life, and you've seen how they changed and evolved. There are no stagnant people in love for over me. And even those who plant their feet and refuse to change, when these winds of life blow, there are no stagnant characters in love for over me. And those who stay as close to stagnant, you'll see what that costs them. You know, we all have to evolve. There are no, nobody's 100% stagnant in the book. Uh, we all have to change and learn and, and grow. So I'm going to begin with Section 1 in these sections. That there are three, anywhere from three to five sections in Love Pour Over Me, and they show a, a really uh, significant pivotal shift in the main character, Raymond Clark, He's a he's a track runner. He's very very bright academically, and he's the one he and his father have a uh, a tough tough relationship with. So I'm gonna start from the very beginning, chapter one. It was Friday afternoon, June fifteenth, nineteen eighty four. Raymond Clark lay across his bed. An empty bowl of popcorn was on the floor. Snacking did little to ease his excitement. In less than three hours, his year-round efforts to prove himself deserving of unwavering acclaim will be validated in front of hundreds of his classmates. Tonight was his high school graduation, the day he had dreamed about for weeks. He knew his grades were high enough to earn him academic honors. Even more than his grades were his athletic achievements. He hadn't been beaten in a track race in three years. He won the state half-mile and mile runs for the last six years since he was in middle school. People would cheer wildly for him tonight. The television was turned up loud. Carl Lewis threatens to break Bob Beeman's historic long jump record at the Olympic trials in Los Angeles this weekend. An ESPN sportscaster announced Beeman's record has stood for 16 years. Lewis, Raymond got so caught up in the mention of the upcoming Olympic Games that he didn't hear the front door open. Ray! His father, Malcolm, shouted as soon as he entered the house. What? Raymond leaped off his bed and hurried into the living room. Dad, what? Boy, if you don't get your junk. Raymond watched his father wave his hand over the sofa, the place where he'd thrown his sports bag as soon as he got home from graduation practice at school. Get this sports crap up, Malcolm growled. Silence filled the house. Raymond grabbed his sports bag, carried it into his bedroom, and tossed it across his bed. I'm flipping back and forth off the shelf, listeners, to check and see if Kim's dialed in yet. And then back to the, uh, the excerpts. Anyway, his father exited the living room and entered the kitchen. Like a dark shadow, frustrations from spending 10 hours working at a drab automobile plant where he drilled leather seats into one Ford Mustang after another while his line supervisor stood at his shoulder and barked, Focus, Malcolm, get your production up, followed him there. It was in the furrow of his brow and in the pinch of his lip. Ray! Raymond cursed beneath his breath before he left his bedroom and hurried into the living room. Seconds later, he stood in the kitchen's open doorway. He watched his father toss an envelope on the table. Ladder from Baker came in the mail. Something about you getting some awards when he reached to the center of the kitchen table for a bottle of still fervor. He stopped hiding the alcohol when Raymond turned five. The alcohol looks like liquid gold. Felt that way to Raymond, too. You graduate tonight. Malcolm took a long swig of the whiskey and squinted against the burn. He tried to laugh but only coughed up spleen. <laughs> You're probably the only kid in the whole school who got a ladder like this. Everybody up at Baker knows nobody cares about you. Ladder said they thought I'd want to let all your relatives know you're getting some awards so they come out and support you. Again, Malcolm worked at laughter but instead coughed a dry, scratchy cough that went long and raw through his throat. We both know ain't nobody going to be there but me and your sorry ass. Don't mean nothing anyhow. They're just giving these diplomas and awards away nowadays. On his way out of the kitchen, bottle in hand, he shoved the ladder against Raymond's chest. Raymond listened to his father's footsteps go heavy up the back stairs while he stood alone in the kitchen. When the footsteps became a whisper, he looked down at the ladder. It was printed on good stationery, the kind Baker High School only used for special occasions. Didn't matter, though. Raymond took the ladder and ripped it once, twice, three times. 
over and over again until it was only shreds of paper. Then he walked to the tall kitchen wastebasket next to the stove and dropped the bits inside. Still waiting for Kim. Ray, he froze. From the sound of his father's voice, he knew he was at the top of the stairs. Give me that ladder so I remember to go to your graduation tonight. Raymond twisted his mouth at the foulness of the request, the absolute absurdity of it. He didn't answer. Instead, he turned and walked back inside his bedroom. He grabbed his house keys and headed outside. At the edge of the walkway, he heard his father shout, Ray! Raymond didn't turn around. He walked down the tree-lined sidewalk the way he learned to walk since kindergarten with his head down. He stepped over Ray's cracks in the worn sidewalk, turned away from boarded windows of two empty, dilapidated buildings, and told himself the neighborhood was just like his father, old, useless, unforgiving, and hard. A second-floor window back at the house went up. Malcolm stuck his head all the way out the window. Get your butt back here, he hollered down the street. Raymond sprang to his toes and started to run. His muscular arms and legs went back and forth through the cooling air like propellers, like they were devices he used to try to take off, leave the places in his life he wished had never been. It was what he was good at. All his running had earned him high honors in track and field. He was Ohio's top miler. He'd made Sports Illustrated four times since middle school. Ray! Yo, man, you better go back, Joey chuckled as Raymond slowed to a stop. Joey, a troubled 18-year-old neighbor who dropped out of school in the 10th grade, leaned across a Pontiac sunbird waxing into it. If you don't, your old man's going to beat you good. Aw, Ray's cool, Stanley, an equally troubled 21-year-old who pissed on school and failed to get a diploma. A man who couldn't read beyond the third grade level said, he stood next to Joey. His hands were shoved to the bottoms of his pants pockets. And we know the brother can run. Damn, we all can run, Stanley laughed. Ray, remember the night we ran away from that Texaco station? Our wallets all fat, Joey laughed. He looked. He talked so loudly, Raymond worried he'd be overheard. Thought we agreed to let that go, Raymond said. He looked hard at Joey, then he looked hard at Stanley, and the nine-month-old deal was resealed. Another secret for Raymond to keep. I'm starting to wonder on Kim. I haven't heard from her or um, her publicist. I'm going to keep going, and I will share tips and advice on today's show. Um, This is one of the things, too. Another thing I want to share with you before I go back and read some more from Love Pour Over Me, but another thing that I I share with you, if, if you work as a publicist, I really encourage you to follow up with your guest and make sure that if they if 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 you schedule them to be on a show that they that you follow up and make sure they're on, they're on that show because uh, it doesn't look good when I'm just typing a message to her. She'll get the message and uh, dial in. Uh, I'm going to finish. I want to read some more from Love Pour Over Me to those of you who have hung around, and I hope that you're getting a free read of Love Pour Over Me today. I hope you enjoy it, and then I'm going to offer some tips and advice if Kim doesn't join today's show. This is what I'm learning uh, when you do radio again, if you're a publicist, you have to follow up with your guests, and you might have to follow up more than once. You can't just schedule the show and then walk away. You have to follow up with your guests to make sure they are ready for that show. They, you send them reminders for the show because generally on off the shelf, I'm the one who's sending the reminders, even though a publicist or the guests themselves are the ones who ask to be on the show. So I would think they would tell me, I, just as a reminder, I'm, I'm going to be on the show for such and such a date. But I don't know what could have happened. Uh, I always keep an open mind and stay positive. Something could have happened where she was unable to make today's show. I don't know that. So I'm, that's, the, that's the approach that I'm going to take as I continue to move forward with Off the Shelf for whoever is still on on today's show, and I hope that you all are here listening to a free read, a free excerpt from 
love pour over me. And if you enjoy the book, I, as I continue to read excerpts from it, that you will go out and get a copy of it because, again, it's over 300 pages, and there's no way I can read all of it in today's show. I just can't. But enough of it so you can see, learn about the characters in the book, although some of the other main characters you probably wouldn't be introduced to until maybe 30 or 40 pages in, and I don't know if I'm going to read that much uh, today. But you can get a feel for the characters. Uh, you probably have to get into maybe a further in so you can get a little bit more of the tension in the story and some of the conflicts. And, and again, some of the other characters and learn about their personalities and how they interact with each other. But you can definitely get a feel for the style and the flow of my writing just a few pages in. So you can see if it's something that you would like. It's a, it's a bit of a, there's a bit of mystery, I can tell you, in it, uh, where somebody was murdered. There's a, there's some, there's a mystery tucked in the story. But it's more, it's really more of a love story and not so much a romantic love story, although that's in the novel. But it's a, it's a love story, I think, between a father and a son that you would never expect from the beginning of this book. And also between friends. And you get to see how people, again, evolve. You get to see how they evolve. And there's some bad characters in Love Pour Over Me as well. There's some shady characters. Uh, in the book, just like we have in everyday life. So I want to I want to um, finish reading a little bit more for you. Uh, Raven says so. They says Ray, remember the night we ran away from that technical station? Our wallets all fat. Joy laughed. He talked so loudly. Raymond worried he'd be overheard. Thought we agreed to let that go. Raymond said he looked hard at Joy. Then he looked hard at Stanley. And the nine month old deal was resealed. Another secret for Raymond to keep. One glance back at his father's house and Raymond started running again. He ran past Gruder's, an old upholstery company, and Trudor Albright, a small, worn convenience store, all the way to the Trotwood Recreation Center six miles further into the city. Houses were larger in Trotwood than they were in Dayton, and this is in Ohio, you guys. Lawns filled with flowers that swayed in the wind. Neighborhoods were quieter, too. As a boy, when his father drove him through Trotwood on the way to the Salem Mall, Raymond told himself that this is where his parents and he would have moved to and lived had his mother not fallen in love with another man had she stayed. Raymond sat in the bleachers at the recreation center watching an intramural basketball game for well over half an hour till he felt certain Malcolm had, in a rare respite, drunk himself into a modicum of civility. When he turned over his wrist and saw that it was after 5 o'clock, he ran every step of the six miles back home. The living room was empty. Raymond heard a noise akin to the rise and fall of a buzzsaw. He frowned toward the stairs and mumbled, He's asleep. While he exited the living room and entered his bedroom. ESPN was still on. He went straight to his closet and pulled out his favorite pair of black nylon dress pants, a crisp white button-down shirt, and a tie. Fifteen minutes later, he was showered, dressed, and standing in front of his bedroom mirror. His father was drunk. That he knew. It always went this way, every night. Like a religious habit, he spent his childhood watching his father drink half a bottle of whiskey every evening after he arrived home from work. When he was a little boy, he'd sit across from Malcolm at the kitchen table, swinging his legs back and forth like a pendulum clock, watching Malcolm turn a new shiny glass bottle up until it reached empty. He always brought a toy into the kitchen with him then, a race car or a plastic airplane. He'd push the toy back and forth across the table and sing out, boom, boom, but he never took his eyes off his father. It was a time gone, like cement down into Raymond's psyche. But that was years ago. Since then, Raymond had gotten into a few fist fights and had gone on more than one stolen car joyride with neighborhood boys he hoped would take him in as a good friend, but who never did. He dodged cops when they knocked out the door, knocked on the door last spring. He just returned home from school. Mercy abounding, Malcolm was still at work. With their stiff blue caps squarely atop their heads, the cops questioned Raymond about the robbery at a nearby Texaco station. A wrong for Raymond birthed out of a last-ditch effort to gain a neighborhood friend, but now a source of pain and regret. 
Raymond's academic and athletic reputations convinced the cops that he was innocent. His refusal to rat out Joey and Stanley kept them from going to prison for the third time in less than two years. Never mind that Joey and Stanley kicked his butt when he was a kid until he bore new bruises, once not put there by Malcolm. Never mind that cops badgered him, pounding Malcolm's living room door, living room table, and promising, Ray, if you tell us what part Joey and Stanley played in the heist, we'll make sure nothing happens to you, and we'll go light on them. Raymond didn't tell. If not for him, Joey wouldn't be waxing his car right now, and Stanley wouldn't be standing around trying to find something interesting to do. Despite the run-in with the law and Malcolm's drunken rages, verbal assaults that burst forth into outright physical beatings, when Raymond reached puberty, Raymond had found a way to stay alive. He had made it to 17. I'm checking again, and I'm thinking that she's not going to join. He was running a brush across the top of his hair when the phone rang. Hello, Ray, Raymond Clark. Speaking, the man laughed. Big night for you. Raymond placed a brush atop his dresser. Who is this? You'll come to recognize my voice soon enough, the man joked. Coach Carter? Coach Reginald Carter? Yes. Wanted to call and congratulate you on gra- congratulate you on graduation tonight. Have a good time, son. Look forward to seeing you on campus in what, one, two weeks? Yeah, Raymond nodded. Soon. Congratulations again, Ray. You deserve it. Heard you do better than good this year. Heard you did great. Thanks. Raymond opened his hand and watched the receiver fall gently against his cradle. A bird squawked outside his window, and he stared across his room at nothing in particular. He couldn't count the number of calls he received from college track and field scouts over the last two years. He told his father about none of the calls. When Malcolm pushed and demanded, where are you going to school next year, boy? Raymond always told him what he knew he wanted to hear. He always looked right at his father and told him, Ohio State. With the phone dead and Coach Carter's voice gone, Raymond returned to the living room and sat on the sofa in silence. The front door was open. Through the screen door, warm summer air carried the scent of fried pork chops, chicken, and hamburger from neighboring neighboring houses into the living room. Because Malcolm's kitchen table was bare and the refrigerator held only beer, wine coolers, a bowl of two-week-old broccoli, a pint of cottage cheese, and a celery stalk, Raymond served himself an evening meal through his nose. As if he could get full on the smell of food, he tilted his head back and inhaled in long, slow breaths. In the living room, the second hand on the battery-operated Ingram wall clock ticked and slid forward, ticked and slid forward. Soon Raymond had the phone in his hand again. Yo, Paul, he said to his high school track teammate, the one guy who gave him good athletic competition, someone he considered a real good friend. When are you leaving for the convention center? Five minutes, man. You know we have to be there now before the ceremony starts. Running late as it is. He paused. You need a ride? Can you swing by and get me on your way? My mom and dad are driving. I mean, man, please, help me out, Raymond sighed. Even though I got my license a year ago, you know my dad's not going to let me drive his Camaro. Your pops ain't coming? Yo, Paul, homie, Raymond begged. All right, all right. And this story, if you, you probably can tell from the dialogue and uh, anybody from Ohio when I talk about the Salem Mall, because it's not what it used to be. But anybody listening <laughs> can probably tell that the story takes place during the early 1980s when you hear about Carl Lewis and Bob Be- going to break, trying to break Bob Beeman's record. This, you can tell when the story takes place. It does, again, take place in the early 1980s, especially for the Ohio listeners who thinking, oh, the Salem Mall, it's not as big as it used to be. And Trotwood was, I think, stronger than in the early 1980s. So to continue, the Dayton Convention Center was packed. 400 students, their purple and white caps and gowns, making them the focal point of attention through the front of the main auditorium. A mass of parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins <laughs> sat in the raised seats at the back of the room. The program started with a slew of speeches. You know how high school graduations are. Enough to make the students wriggle in their seats. Over time, the evening began to take on an unwanted hue. A stale fatigue came into the air, started to make the graduation ceremony feel boring. Then a good thing happened. Principal Bernard Jones approached the microphone and everyone in the auditorium set up. And now, Principal Jones said, it's time to hand out the diplomas. Cheers went up and drowned Principal Jones' voice. 
Like confetti that had been tossed to the ceiling, it was a long time before the cheers came down. Let me see if Kim just joined us, you guys. I hope you enjoyed the Love Pour Over Me reading. Again, you can go to chisel.com to read more. Uh, but I read through about 12 pages, so I don't know if you're going to actually get that more. Amazon, you might. Like, uh, at, at Amazon.com, the, my website again is chistel, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com, where you can read free excerpts from Love Pour Over Me. You can also get the book at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, eBook It, uh, Google Books, uh, you can get it at Walmart. If you don't see it on the shelves, it's in print and ebook format. If you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk that you want a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can order a copy for you because it's carried by Ingram, Ingram, and that's a major, major distributor that distributes books anywhere nationally. And I don't know if they have a global distribution as well, but you can get it online and offline. Uh, and you can get it in ebook and in print form anywhere, anywhere, generally anywhere in the world because ebook and I know ships globally as well. So please go out and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me and thank you. And now we, we have less than 30 minutes for Laughing Today's show, but we're going to join our guests. Kim? Yes. Hi. We're, Hello. We're, Hello, we the show started at eleven, so and we I are. And I so apologize. Yeah, we're more than thirty minutes in, and I just said I gotta think quick on my feet, so I did some readings from Love for Over Me. I want to introduce you and get into the questions. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Um, we don't have much time left, and I hope I don't know how many listeners we might have lost, but we I'm going to do the best I can. So I want to now to our off the shelf listeners who might still be with us. And anybody who joined later, you can listen to today's show in entirety uh, through the archive. I just hope we didn't lose too many folks. I want to introduce today's guest. Our special guest today is Kim Smith. And not only does she, she wears many hats, uh, she wears her hats well. She's a wife, a mother, a teacher, a public speaker, a coach, and the owner of KISS Fitness Studio. She got her bachelor's and master's degrees from St. Lewis, Missouri's Fontaine University. She's also the author of the book Swag on Ten, Sexy by the Weekend, Why I Quit Teaching and Why You Don't Have To. Her new book is titled She's Got Her Own. You can click over to KimSmith.com, and that's spelled K-E-M-S-M-I-T-H.com, and check out her website as you continue to listen to this. is going to be a very abbreviated interview today. To listen to learn more about what she shares about writing, staying fit, living a balanced life, and cheat, and you might get some tips that you can use to help you achieve your deepest dreams as you continue to tune in to Kim's feature interview here on Off the Shelf. So welcome to Off the Shelf, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for that welcome. Okay. Uh, I, I want to start. I'd like to give our our listeners a backstory on our guests, uh, and I'm going to have to do a lot of marketing <laughs> because the first half of this show. Uh, I want to ask you just to, to give our, our our listeners some backstory uh, on you. I know you were born in Amberg, Germany. I want, how old were you when you came to the United States? Well, first, if you don't mind, I'd like to apologize. I did get confused with the time differences. It's um, I had it in my calendar for 11, and, and it's, and it, it was at tea in your time, so apologizing for that. Um, yes, I was born in Amberg, but we moved immediately back to the States once I was born. So, um, of course, I was the daughter of the military. We made our way back. I've been in St. Louis ever since, other than when I went away for college. So um, I'm still in St. Louis. This is my okay. home where I'm from. The business is located in St. Louis. And uh, the story background it's not per se in St. Louis, but it's it has it has that Midwest feel to it when you read it. Okay, can you tell us um, how many years were you did you teach, and what attracted you what attracted you to teaching? Uh, because I became a mother before I became a, um, a business person, so I was a single mom for twelve years, 
And as a mother, it just makes sense to teach you, you're off when your kids are off. Um, and, and teaching is something that called me. I've always been really good at school and, and didn't know at the time that I was a writer. And so once I became a teacher, I was immediately kind of funneled into writing with the older children because initially I oh. thought I wanted to teach third grade. Mm-hmm. And so oh. um, the the superiors or I guess people who were around me noticed that I had a, um affinity for writing and placed me in the middle school and um, put me in a situation where I was in writing courses and teaching writing to the students. So I taught for about 14 years. Wow. I left middle school, and then I went to teach college. I taught intro to college reading. Um, but when I left middle school, I also started a fitness studio. And so now I, 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 yeah, I write articles um, based upon the fitness and, and trying to inspire our sisters to work out on a regular basis. And I think that's good because we do we do need that we do and I'm sure you've seen the evidence as we all have we hear it in the media all the time so that's 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 good work and and really appreciate you doing that. Now you wrote a book why I quit teaching and why you don't have to. My sister started out as a school teacher. She's now a school administrator. Can you tell our off the shelf listeners curious what you have to say? I know teaching. I always thought it was a challenging low-paid profession. Can you tell our listeners why you stopped teaching and how soon after you stopped teaching did you sit down and write why I quit teaching and why you don't have to? Um, I wrote wrote why I quit teaching and why you don't have to uh, at the end of this school year, so in May. I wrote that in May. Um, I think that there's still a lot of benefits to teaching. It's still a very viable career that you can make a living on. But I do see where there's been a shift in education as far as the testing and um, the autonomy that's in the schools that's not there any longer. So this book is all about how to navigate through the testing and how to develop real relationships with your students and getting through the the fluff, the bureaucracy of teaching so that you can continue to enjoy it and not begrudge having to be at work every day. Ah. Uh. Okay, um, so they don't have to go through some of the struggles that 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 you went through. That you you learned that you they can learn from reading your book, things that you had to learn uh, first time. Yeah. Can you you went through some of the some of the benefits, some of the topics, or the benefits of reading the book? Can you give us some of the specific topics and situations beyond what you said so far that you cover in why I quit teaching and why you don't have to? So in that book, um, there's a certain thing that I see, and and I don't know how true this is in other areas, but for me personally, there are a lot of um, Caucasian teachers who enter into the school system, and um, my experience was the the group, the team that I was assigned to, they those teachers had not seen a black person until college. That was the first time they'd actually seen a real live black person. And so there were things about black culture that they didn't understand. For example, we had a debate once about, well, why do you put oil in your hair? And who oils their hair? And <laughs> and I found myself explaining to them, well, you know, we, we have to oil our hair. It's just something that we do. And that's just a cultural thing that at school no one will ever teach you that. You know, you have mm-hmm. to, if you're going to teach in a specific environment, with a culture that's different from your own, you have to embrace the fact that we don't live in a race-neutral society. Um, Where we live, there's all types of cultures, and it's important that once you get into that school system where people don't look like you and they weren't raised like you, that you begin to learn about who they are and not Mm -hmm. insult them trying to make them into who you are. So one of the things are keys to survival in the school system is to know the people who you are teaching and then to begin to speak their language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is important because they say students whose teachers look the most like them or come from a background some of that, they respond better to those teachers. So that And that's, generally, that's not generally what happens. Uh, the teacher that usually from a background, if you're, if you're of a diverse background, they don't look like you, so that is important to to teach help teachers to know how to interact 
and communicate with students from a broad range of backgrounds. Now I want to talk about She's Got Her Own. Is She's Got Her Own? Is that your first novel? That's my first novel. Yes, it is. Okay. She's Got Her Own. Uh, can you tell us about two ways you've written a nonfiction book on teaching? Before I go to talk a little bit more about She's Got Her Own, you've you've written uh, two different things. You've written your nonfiction book on teaching, and now you write also novels. What are two ways that you can share with off-the-shelf listeners that writing a novel is significantly different from writing a nonfiction book? Um, writing a nonfiction book, to, to me it could be done, um, gosh, almost in a weekend. In fact, I, I took a study uh-huh. course on how to write a book in a weekend. So that book, um, Why I Quit Teaching, I actually wrote that over Memorial Day weekend, that extended holiday. Um, oh, wow. And it was, yeah, it was an, an outline, and I followed the outline. But the okay. difference when you write a fiction book is you can write an outline, but then your characters are going to tell you something different. Mm. You have to adjust your story along the way to meet the needs of the characters. Because if you develop those personalities of each one of your characters, you can't make them do something outside of their personality. That has to be fixed. So mm-hmm. if if I'm writing the story and I know exactly how I want it to go, the character may tell me something different. And when I finish arguing with that character, i got to go sit down and, you know, go away and come back. I can't make that character do what I want it to do. The character uh, tells you know, me what it wants to do. And, you know, people probably think, okay, you're the writer – you're the one who's creating the characters. But as a as a writer myself, and I've heard other writers say that, you do. The characters do almost, They it's like they tell you, this has to happen to me or I have to, I have to do this. It's a very bizarre thing because you're the writer creating the story. Can you describe Sheree and Brian, uh, people who may be, they may be familiar with your work, Kim, or they may just be being introduced to your work. Can you describe Sheree and Brian for our off-the-shelf listeners. So Sheree, she is, she's your typical woman who has a great job, but she's contributing to her household finances. But she's also has her shoe addiction going. So she has her favorite shoes that she's wearing. And um, she's got clothes. She's got a nice car. She's doing well for herself. And suddenly her son, who's been misbehaving, he starts to clown in school. Well, at church, the pastor has been promoting, you know, let's homeschool our kids. Let's bring our kids home and homeschool them. She gets Mm -hmm. to school and makes the decision that, hey, he's going to be homeschooled and she's going to be the one to do it. Um, After that, the challenges come. Um, Their marriage is definitely under attack from that point. There's an ex-boyfriend who shows up. um, Then there's challenge with the church. There's so much that goes on because she makes the decision to, to homeschool her children. Is she like a, would you describe her as bold, brazen? Is she soft-spoken? Is she a go-getter? What, what, what type of a woman is she? And what type of a guy is Brian? Is he like uh, um, an alpha male? Is he? How would you describe him and, and, and Sheree? So I would describe Brian as your typical hard-working guy. You know, he's got two jobs. He he likes to impress people. Um, that's just who he is. He he likes to make it seem as if everything is fine um, in his whole relationships um, and his work. Everything is just he's holding everything down. That's just how he is as a person. And and Sheree is very similar in that aspect that she wants to keep up appearances. Um, that everything is 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 going good. Um, she's she's aggressive in that she's gotten a promotion on her job. She does really well. Um, she's a mom. You know, she puts her kids first, but then when she has to put them before everything that she wants, then there's there's this this shift. So what attracts Sheree? They sound similar. What attracts them to each other? Where did they meet? And how long have they been married when the book starts? So it's funny. Um, Sheree has actually broke up with her ex-boyfriend, and she was going through life, you know, just working and trying to make a career for herself. She's in a um, construction zone, and Brian's there working. 
and uh, they meet at the stoplight. You know, it's kind of like a, a traffic thing. And she gets his phone number, and they, they hook up from there. So um, they've been married, I, I want to say, 14 years at the start of this story. And they've got other children since they've been married. And um, Brian has one child outside of the marriage. So we find that because they are a couple who wants to keep up appearances, there are some cracks in their marriage. You know, and then through the story we get to see, are they going to fill those cracks and fix things or, you know, is is something going to come between them and, and it's all over? Can you tell us about, I know you say that an ex-boyfriend shows up when Sheree decides to start homeschooling her son's cutting up in school. Can you tell us about maybe two other challenges that they face without giving the story away, without telling us how these challenges are resolved, but two challenges that Sheree and Brian face and she's got her own? Well, then i got to ask you, too, and, why, and, then, and then the next thing i got to ask you is why that title? Oh, okay, so let me first address the challenges. So the very first challenge that they're going to encounter is that they've had a lifestyle change. They've got a, the the income has changed. And Sheree still is living as if she has her income. Uh, so as a family, they've got to cut back, and she's not doing it. She's not cutting back. Uh, and then to top that off, they have this church issue where Brian, who, again, he wants to keep up appearances, and Sheree doesn't attend church with him. So the position that he wants at church, he can't get it because she's not by his side. But she has her reasons for not attending church. There's an ex-girlfriend there. There's all kind of issues Ah. with this, this particular situation, so... Um, the the title, she's got her own. Um, in the beginning, we see Sheree just kind of living and existing. But as we go through the story, we see her begin to walk in her purpose according to, to what God has for her. And oh. so in the end, it's about her getting her own relationship with God. Oh, okay. I'm glad I asked you that. I'm glad I asked you that. That's one thing I love about off the shelf when I ask questions. The leaders, the reader, the listeners can get insight that they wouldn't get if they didn't. The guest wasn't on the show. Now, when was she? She's got her own. When was it released? And what have readers been saying about the book? What have you been hearing from readers about it? So I released the book in April, and it's a funny story about how long the book took to be produced. Um, I actually started reading the writing the book when I taught middle school. Um, wow! And I set it down. I sat it down, but before I left middle school, I had um, had one of my coworkers to read the book. So for six, seven years, she kept saying, "You need to finish this book." Well, I know you started a business, but when are you going to finish that book you wrote? <laughs> well, we had a horrible winter this year in St. Louis, so. Since we were trapped in the inside with all these ice storms, I finished the book. Um, the same lady who had encouraged me to finish it over six or seven years, she gathered together a group of teachers, and we edited the book together and got it ready for the market. Okay. So um, she was a godsend friend because she was just determined to ensure that I finished that book, and, and it, it gave me the confidence that I needed to keep writing. So... Overall, even though it took seven years for me to believe in myself enough to finish it, I started it in January and had it ready for market by April. And it was released in April of of 2014 this year. Okay. And what have readers been saying? Oh, and readers, um, actually, I've been very, very very pleased. I've gotten phenomenal um, responses. I've gotten voicemails. This book was so good. You know, when is the next one? It was a page turner. I couldn't wait to see what happened. Those were some of my favorite scriptures. Um, and, and and I have this going joke, are you team Michael or team Brian? And Michael is the ex-boyfriend and Brian is the husband. So it's kind of funny because, you know, as Christians, we always want to be team Brian, but some of the people are saying, I'm team Michael all the way, you know. So I've been getting some great reviews on it. Okay. That is good. That is good. Uh, and I know as a, the writer of the book, 
you love to hear those reviews, whether you go to Amazon and you, you see the good reviews or somebody tells you in person if you're at a book event and they, they tell you they love she's got got her own or how the book really benefited them. I want to ask you for our listeners who might be small business owners or want to in the future own their own business, we've got about 10 minutes left. When did you found KISS Fitness Studio? Well, you told us when you were teaching middle school, so that's going back, what, 10 years maybe? Or however many years is that going back? And where is the gym located? So I'm here in St. Louis um, in the Florissant area. It's, it's uh, north of St. Louis County. In fact, um, I know that Ferguson has made national news. That's maybe one neighborhood away from where we are. Oh. Yeah. So the situation is, is that I went to school. Again, I, and I said this before, I was a single mom for 12 years. Um, my I was raising my daughters, and I went to school. I got my master's degree in education. My first year of getting hired as a teacher, my mother died from obesity, just the struggles of obesity, a high blood oh. pressure, and blood cysts, and, you know, the cyst oh. led to cancer, and, and she eventually died from cancer. But while she was ill, she had said to me, you know, I don't believe that all of what's happening to me is just for me. I, you know, I really believe this is for someone else. And I really don't want my death to be in vain. So once I healed from, you know, losing my mother, it occurred to me that, that I could do something about helping people with obesity because I, I know what it's like to live in a body that you don't want to live in and, wow. and what it takes to to make it work. In fact, um, she she'd always been like a 22 or 24, you know, she'd even ballooned up to a 26 at one point, but once she'd had all those cancer treatments, she got down to a 14. And she looked in the mirror and she said, you know, I'm finally at the size I want to be and I, I can't enjoy it because I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Aww. And and it, it occurred to me, you know what, I can help people so that this never happens to anyone else. So it took mm-hmm. me... From let me see, she died in '03. It took me until 2010 to open a facility. Okay. And so we've been we've been going strong here in St. Louis ever since. It's 2014. Um, and um, the ladies are working out. They're working out, and it, and it feels really good. Good for you. What are some of the services that people who are in the St. Louis area? What what are some of the services they can get at Kids Fitness Studio? So we offer group fitness classes like uh, Zumba, kettlebell, spin on the on the spin bikes. Um, we have pole dancing, video vixen, stiletto strut, because KISS actually stands for Keep It Sexy Sisters Fitness. Well, I'll say, can so you say what, that again, please? Can you say yeah, that again, please? Keep, keep It Sexy Sisters Fitness. Ah, okay. <laughs> right, so that's what it stands for, and it's all about... Making a, I created a community where people would feel comfortable giving their all, working out, and focusing on keeping it sexy. Okay. I like that. Now, how do you manage, Kim? How do you manage to balance running a business, coaching, public speaking, and book writing? Um, schedules, to-do list, and getting help whenever I can. Um just just knowing what my priorities are, starting my day with Christ, you know, making sure that I read scripture and that he's directing my day so that I don't go nuts trying to do everything. <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a good way to do it. Now writing and publishing a book, you, you, you and and I'm sure you can incorporate hopefully some of the tips you found for marketing your business, Kiss Fitness Studio again for off the shelf listeners, especially those in the St. Louis area. But writing and publishing a book, that's just the first step. Then you have to actually go out and sell the book. You have to find the readers who the who are interested in the type of book you wrote and then market to them so that they they will buy the book and want to buy and read it. What uh, four or five marketing steps have you found, not through repeating what somebody else has said, but that you found to actually work for you? that you could share with our listeners here today. Well, and I don't know where 
what all areas your listeners are listening from, but in St. Louis we're kind of in a bubble to where there's only one black-owned bookstore, and that one is more of a cafe where they do poetry readings and things of that nature. So it wasn't like I could go door-to-door and try to get my book into stores. I had to find a way to make that happen for myself. So um, one of the things that I did do was start with my list of people who are already current clients through Kiss Fitness, um, marketed it through them. So I had a book launch and sent out the information to all of my current clients and had the opportunity to have them then spread the word about what I do. Um, I keep the books here at our facility uh, at the family reunion uh, we had an opportunity to set up some tables, and people were asking about it and sold books then. So you kind of have to go out of the box, work with the people you know, and ex- expand from there. The book tour has actually been a godsend because it's given me the mm. opportunity to get out of just the immediate St. Louis area. Um, mm-hmm. And it's actually helped build my confidence as a writer because um, – one of the things that you think is, oh, family is just reading it because they're family, or friends are just reading it because they're friends. But to get positive feedback from being on a tour, a virtual tour, is very helpful because mm-hmm. being a business owner, I can't get in the car and just go drive from city to city. Right. You know, this is an opportunity to meet with different people and to have people blog about the book and, and give positive feedback. So um, I to wrap it up, I use my current list of people that I have. Um, mm-hmm. I've used my website. I've used the family. I actually have a big family. I didn't know how big it was until I had a book to sell. <laughs> um, right. And then I used the virtual tour. Okay. I, I appreciate you sharing those tips with us. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your book? She's got her own. And your other your other novels, I want to give them the title to your other novels again, with Swag on 10, Sexy by the Weekend, and Why I Quit Teaching and Why You Don't Have to, and she's got her own. Where can our listeners get copies of your books? Well, they can definitely go on Amazon. There's a Kindle version. We also have the book that's on uh, Nook, where they can purchase that for their Nook. So Amazon.com, just um, you're going to search for She's Got Her Own. Uh, I have everything on my website at KimSmith.com. It's K-E-M-Smith.com. And uh, I also have Kiss Fitness Studios website. It's Kiss like blow your kiss fitnessstudio.com. So all three of those places are excellent uh, spots to stop in to get a copy of the book. Okay. Can you let us know any social networks that you're on and where how listeners can find you online? Yeah, Other than I'm the at two Kim websites. Smith.com, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also on okay. Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Um I'm on Twitter, uh, Pinterest, all the all the Facebook sites, and um, I'm also my email address is Kim Smith at gmail dot com. It's K E M Smith at gmail dot com. That's my email address, and I do respond to email. Okay, we want to thank Kim for being here with us again. Kim Smith is the owner of KISS Fitness Studio in the St. Louis area, and she's the author of the book Swag on 10, Sexy by the Weekend, and Why I Quit Teaching and Why You Don't Have to, and that's a nonfiction book. And her novel, one of her other novels, is She's Got Her Own. You can check her, you can check her out online at kimsmith.com, K-E-M-S-M-I-T-H.com. If you're in the St. Louis area, you can go to her studio, and I'm sure you, she'd be willing to talk to you about her novel if you've read it and you want to ask her questions, et cetera, about her novel. Uh, Kim, please share today's show with your, your, your KISS fitness studio visitors and your family and friends when I send you the link after the show finishes streaming. I want to thank you for being taking the time out of your day to be on the show. I want to thank all of our listeners who stayed in there with us for today's show if you missed the first part or any part of the show after it streams you can go and listen to it in its entirety uh once it posts here on blog talk radio thank you all for being with us please go get a copy of she's got her own and love for over me i hope you will get and enjoy both of those 
novels. As I always tell you, you are so incredibly amazing. You are awesome. You are fabulous. When we really start to accept and believe that, man, our lives are really going to change, go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday. Remember, off the shelf, it starts 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time every Saturday, 11 a.m. EST on Saturday mornings. Tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, everybody, tune in off the shelf Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you next Saturday. Bye for now. Kim, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you.